Can you hear me? Is it working? Okay. In your bulletin are two handouts. Uh, one is called A Spiritual Crossroads. On Saturday, July 16, there is a um, concert at First Reformed in order to help them raise money for their historic preservation project. Uh, ben Berman, I don't know some of you know him, he's the um, minister, peer minister for music at Trinity House uh, with the Reform, or, um, Rutgers Protestant Campus Ministry. And um, he is behind the concert. Um, different uh, cultural kinds of music, Afro-Caribbean, Afro-American, and Turkish. And um, I'm told it's going to be a delightful experience. So you're invited by first to join them on July 16. The stewardship team uh, includes this for your education and your edification. Um, it is, uh, I think it's a monthly um, uh, publication and uh, is designed to help us to understand uh, more our role as steward uh, in the church. Okay, so as we begin, will you join me in prayer? We do not presume to come to your table, merciful Lord, trusting in our own goodness, but in your all-embracing love and mercy. We are not worthy even to gather up the crumbs under your table, but it is your nature always to have mercy. So feed us with the body and blood of Jesus Christ, your Son, that we may forever live in him and he in us. Amen. Let the peace of Christ rule in our hearts, to which indeed we are called in the one body. The peace of Christ be with you. On this beautiful Ascension Sunday morning, our help is in the name of the Lord, creator of heaven and earth. Grace to you and peace from God, our creator and the Lord Jesus Christ. Clap your hands, all you people. Shout to God with loud songs of joy. For the Lord, the Most High, is awesome, a great king over all the earth. Sing praises to God. Sing praises. Sing praises to our king. Sing praises. For God is the king of all the earth. Sing praises with a psalm. God is king over the nations. God sits on his holy throne. Our God is highly exalted. Come, let us worship the Lord. Beloved in the Lord Jesus Christ, we propose to celebrate together with the help of God the sacrament of the Lord's Supper this Lord's Day. We come to the table to commune with our Lord. We come in awe and reverence, for the place where we stand is holy ground. Here the Lord offers us the manna of life, if we are to experience this celebration with our Lord and be nourished by the Spirit, let us examine ourselves first, then eat the bread and drink from the cup. The benefit is great if with penitent hearts and living faith we receive the Lord's Supper. Let us acknowledge our sin before our merciful God with full intention of amending our lives. Let us make restitution for all injuries and wrongs done to others. Let us forgive those who have offended us as we ourselves have been forgiven. All children of the covenant be reconciled with one another and then come joyfully to the banquet so that you may experience assurance of God's pardon and strengthening of your faith. Let us pray. Merciful God, 
We confess that we have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed, by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart and mind and strength. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. In your mercy, forgive what we have been. Help us amend what we are and direct what we shall be so that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your holy name, through Christ our Lord. Thus it is written that the Messiah is to suffer and to rise from the dead on the third day, and that repentance and forgiveness of sins is to be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. Therefore, in Christ, we stand forgiven. Thanks be to God. God calls us to faithful living by giving to us the Ten Commandments to guide us on our way as men and women and young folks of faith. And so, let us join together in reciting those commandments. Then God spoke all these words. I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an idol. You shall not bow down to them or worship them. You shall not make wrongful use of the name of the Lord your God. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Honor your father and your mother. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not testify falsely against your neighbor. You shall not covet anything that belongs to your neighbor. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. As we come to the reading of God's word, let us pray. Lift up your hearts. Let us lift them to the Lord our God. Exalted to the right hand of God our Father, may your spirit continue to open our hearts and minds to the truth of your words and work. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Our first lesson comes to us from the book of Acts, chapter 1, verses 1 through 11, which is Luke's telling of the ascension of Jesus. Remember that the Gospel of Luke and the book of Acts are volumes 1 and 2 of one book written by Luke. In the first book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus did and taught from the beginning until the day when he was taken up to heaven, after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself alive to them by many convincing proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. While staying with them, he ordered them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait there for the promise of the Father. This, he said, is what you have heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, is this the time when you will restore the kingdom of Israel? He replied, it is not for you to know the times or periods that the Father has set by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, 
in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. When he had said this, as they were watching, he was lifted up and a cloud took him out of their sight. While he was going and they were gazing up toward heaven, suddenly two men in white robes stood by them. They said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking up toward heaven? This Jesus who has been taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Our second lesson comes to us from Hebrews chapter 4, beginning at verse 14, a passage that speaks to us of Jesus as our great high priest. Since then, we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast to our confession, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who is, in every respect, has been tested as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore approach the throne of grace with boldness so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Every high priest chosen from among mortals is put in charge of things pertaining to God on their behalf to offer gifts and sacrifices for sins. He is able to deal gently with the ignorant and wayward since he himself is subject to weakness. Because of this, he must offer sacrifice for his own sins as well as for those of the people. And one does not presume to take this honor, but takes it only when called by God, just as Aaron was. So also Christ did not glorify himself in becoming a high priest, but was appointed by the one who said to him, You are my son, today I have begotten you. As he says also in another place, You are a priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. In the days of his flesh, Jesus offered up prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears to the one who was able to save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverent submission. Although he was a son, he learned obedience through what he suffered. And having been made perfect, He became the source of eternal salvation for all who obey him, having been designated by God a high priest according to the order of Melchizedek. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. It would not be done. It would not be complete. It would not be full redemption if there had not been an ascension to the right hand of God. While the resurrection of Jesus Christ is central to the theology and the writing of the New Testament, without the ascension, we would have been left orphans. It would not have been enough for Jesus to have died and been resurrected. It would not have been enough for us as men and women and young people, if Jesus Christ had stopped at simply appearing once in a while. There may have been apparitions in places and people may have made pilgrimages, but it would not have changed the reality 
of those people who lived under the old covenant if Jesus had not ascended. We'd have been walking in our own strength and our own power and our own weakness and our own frailty. And once in a great while, we would have had a party because Jesus would have appeared. But instead, he was ascended. He was taken up. And what that means now is that the party is about to begin. Last week, we celebrated Marie's 100th. Okay? And I, I don't... Did you get any gifts last week, Marie? Did you get any gifts at your birthday party last week? Sure she did. That's what parties are all about, right? Giving and receiving of gifts is, all of, is what parties are all about. And that is exactly what is about to happen. Today we celebrate the ascension of Jesus, and it has implications for us. Number one, when Jesus ascends to the Father, Jesus sends the gift. And what is the gift? The Spirit. Next Sunday, we will celebrate Pentecost. The sending of the Holy Spirit that makes all the difference for us. If it were not for the Spirit dwelling in us, we would be powerless to change anything about who we are or the world in which we live. We would be no better than the people before Jesus if there had not been an ascension and a coming of the Spirit into our world and our lives. Luke understood this as he told the story. Because what does he have the uh, disciples asking Jesus? When Jesus says that he was going to come, he's going to go away, okay, and that the Spirit will not many days come, and the the disciples say to him, well, does that mean you're now going to restore the kingdom of Israel? All this time, all of this wonderful stuff has happened to them, and they still don't get it. It's not about bringing in this kingdom that is going to release Israel from Roman control. There is no politic to this. And they don't understand that. Jesus is still trying to tell them, you do not understand, you don't know the time when that will happen. That's all in the Father's hands. Mr. Camping doesn't know, neither do I, Jesus says. It's all in the Father's hands. But when it does, you had better be about the business of doing what you're going to do. And that is sharing the good news with everybody in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. As he says that, he ascends, and they see him go up into heaven. And as they're gazing at the sky to see Jesus in the clouds, two of the angels kind of pull them back down to the earth again. They pull them back and say, look, he's gone now but he will come again in the same way. And now you live in what will become the age of the Spirit. What does that mean for us? Not only does Jesus send us the gift of his Spirit, but it also means that we now know that Jesus Christ is at the right hand of the Father. Nothing, nothing, can undo us. 
The victory is now complete. The ascension is the coronation. The ascension is when God crowns Jesus as Lord. And the cathedral for that coronation is the very throne room of the Almighty. At the same time, that king, newly crowned, becomes our protector, our provider, our keeper, our friend, And last of all, and probably most important, our interceder, our advocate. Someone who remembers us, prays for us, to the Father. Now I'd like to ask a really hard question. And I I really am asking this because I want you to be honest with yourself and with me and with God. But when you pray for somebody, what do you do? When you pray for someone, when you're praying for your children or your mother or your brother or your friends, or what do you do? What are you doing? What are you asking? What are you saying? Huh? For God's blessing upon the person. Very good. What else? How do we pray for other people? How do we do that? Huh? Yeah, you want God's spirit to be upon them, to take care of them, right? Yeah, to fill their, their, their need, to, to be there for them, to accompany them, to strengthen them. When we pray for someone, what are we doing? We're asking God to be God. We're asking God to be the God who made us, who keeps us, who sustains us, who cares for us, who provides for us, who protects us, who guides us, who leads us, who directs us. We are asking God to be God in any person's life and to be everything that that person needs. When the scripture says Jesus intercedes for us, What does it mean? What does it mean when Jesus becomes our high priest, when Jesus prays for us? What difference does that make for us? Let me ask you something. If you had the king of a country as your absolute best friend, and that king was willing to give you anything and everything you wanted, how would that change your life? What would that mean? Uh Uh-huh. Power and authority? The resources? The wealth? It would mean that your life would not have any limits that your life would not have any parameters in which somehow or other you would be limited in what you could do. What the scripture is teaching us is that Jesus Christ interceding for us is like having the king as our friend. Though the one who has been crowned the king of the universe is now 
our advocate, our interceder, and is doing and saying and pleading and providing and, do, and basically giving us all that we want and need as members of God's kingdom. Now, typically what that means is that once in a while, we pray to God and we get what we ask for. And then there are other times when we pray and we don't get what we ask for. Sometimes because of our own attitude, our depression or our grief or whatever, we can't even accept the fact that God would love us enough to listen to our prayers. And there are times when prayer becomes almost impossible for us. We call them dry spells. When we can't even utter words that enable us to express what we want to God. In all of those moments, in all of those moments in our lives when prayer in some way, shape, or form becomes difficult or uneventful or unmeaningful, Jesus is already praying. Jesus is already presenting our case to God the Father. There is already something going on, and we're not even conscious of it many times. Because God in Christ is giving that to us as a gift. That's his gift to us. Tony Campolo, professor of economics and sociology at Eastern University, now retired, once shared uh, in one of his uh, movies where he was speaking something that he did as a young boy with one of his buddies. They snuck into a hardware store. Okay? I, every time I listen to this story now, I think of uh, the, green, the, the, the um, nursery where Walt works because when I walked into that nursery one, the one time, it reminded me of the story because I, all the stuff was hanging on the walls. <clears throat> they went into the hardware store and they switched the price tags on everything in the store. So a package of seeds now costs $69.95, and a lawnmower costs 99 cents. The whole store, they switched the prices. Okay? And he said, it was like the next morning when people walked in, they couldn't believe it. Whoa, 99 cents for a lawnmower. And, and when, when the, the owner began to realize what had happened, it was like, oh, you know, trauma. But Tony expressed it so clearly. He said, that is exactly what has gone on in the ascension of Jesus Christ to God the Father. God has changed the price tags. It has changed and, up to, and turned upside down the things that we think are important. The disciples thought that changing their situation politically was important. And Jesus said, don't worry about it. It's not part of the plan yet. Our priorities, our perspectives are not always God's. And that is what ascension living is all about. That is why as Reformed people, we have always made a big deal about Ascension Day. Ascension basically says to us, the way we value, the way we think, the way we perceive is not the way God sees. 
not the way God perceives. And it's a process that we need the Spirit in order for us to see things the way God does. That is what it's all about. That's the gift God gives us. So that now, as God's people, the law, which at one time was a, like a, 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 a tutor or a, or a teacher that punished if you did wrong and, and blessed if you did right, becomes for us the joy of living. It becomes a way for us to understand all of our relationships to those we love, to the things we have, to the world we live in, to the God we worship. It's a completely different way of seeing. It's like getting a new eyeglass prescription. Only it lasts forever. Never needs replacing. Sometimes you've got to clean the lenses. Today, in light of what God has said to us, in light of what God has done in taking Jesus to his side and making Jesus king and intercessor for us, let's accept the fact that now things are different. And the way we think they ought to be, the way we think they are, are not the way God sees them. They are not the way God sees them. Sometimes we live in denial. I'm going to tell you a sad story, and this will ride very close to home. But in the past two weeks, I have spent, I can't tell you how many hours, working with Russell Krupinski. Do you all know Russell? Russell usually sits up here in the front. Russell lived with his mother for most of his life. When she passed over three years ago, Russell lost his home and has been living on the streets. He has a post office box in Linden. And when people ask him where he lived, he would say he lived in Linden. But he had nowhere to lay his head there. He would sleep in the train station, in the library, sometimes in church. This past week, we had a major task in helping him to understand. Because we would, when he went to the hospital and then he went to the rehab center, he kept telling them, they, they said, well, you need Medicaid to help pay for this. And he said, I am not indigent. I live in Linden. And over and over and over again, he would say this. And every time he'd say it, it would like break my heart. Because he didn't get it. It was like he was denying reality. And finally, when I said to him, Russell, if you, if you accept this, if you understand this the way everyone else is seeing it, it will be better for you. After two weeks of working with him, he finally came to the point of saying, okay. And he's now getting all of the services he should have been getting for the past three years and never knew how to go, to, go about it. But the two weeks that I've worked with him, with Pastor Ellen White at my side, I have watched what normally happens to Christians in light of the ascension. We live in denial. We somehow think that God's not in control, that God doesn't care, that somehow God isn't there, and that it's all up to us. That somehow or other, our condition as men and women 
in Christ is not what it says it is. And that is what we need to change. And the Spirit of God needs to do that from our inside out. It is not about somehow earning God's grace, somehow figuring out how to make God happy with us. God already loves us. That's why Jesus went to the cross. And now, it's all about enjoying the party. Enjoy the gifts you've been given. Enjoy what God has given to each one of you and to all of us together. And let's celebrate. Let's pray. Ascended Lord, through the hearing of your word, govern our hearts and lives in such a way as to glorify yourself and build up your people in the hope and health of your eternal kingdom, now and always. Through Christ we pray. Amen. Look to God, do not be afraid. Lift up your voices, the Lord is near. Lift up your voices, the Lord is near. Would you stand with me, please, and join in the confession of faith using the Heidelberg Catechism. What do you mean by saying Christ ascended to heaven? That Christ was taken up from the earth into heaven before the very eyes of his disciples and remains there on our behalf until he comes again to judge the living and the dead. How does Christ's ascension to heaven benefit us? First, he is our advocate in heaven, in the presence of his Father. Second, we have our flesh as full guarantee in heaven that Christ our head will also take us, his members, up to himself. Third, he sends us a guarantee on earth, his spirit by whose power we seek what is above, where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God, and not things that are on earth. Christ ascended to heaven so that we, he might show there that he is head of his church and that the Father rules all things through him. How does this glory of Christ, our head, benefit us? Through his Holy Spirit, he pours out his gifts from heaven upon us, his members, and by his power, he defends us and keeps us safe from all enemies. Beloved in the Lord Jesus Christ, the Holy Supper which we are about to celebrate is a feast of remembrance, of communion, and of hope. We come in remembrance that our Lord Jesus Christ was sent of the Father into the world to assume our flesh and blood and to fulfill for us all obedience to the divine law, even to the bitter and shameful death of the cross. By his death, resurrection, and ascension, he established a new and eternal covenant of grace and reconciliation that we might be accepted of God and never be forsaken by him. We come to have communion with this same Christ who has promised to be with us always, even to the end of the world. In the breaking of the bread, he makes himself known to us as the true heavenly bread that strengthens us unto life eternal. In the cup of blessing, he comes to us as the vine in whom we must abide if we are to bear fruit. We come in hope 
believing that this bread and this cup are a pledge and foretaste of the feast of love of which we shall partake when his kingdom has fully come, when with unveiled face we shall behold him, made like unto him in his glory. Since by his death, resurrection, and ascension, Christ has obtained for us the life-giving spirit who unites us all in one body, so are we to receive this supper in true love, mindful of the communion of saints. into Christ and who confess Jesus Christ as Lord are welcome to this table. These are the gifts of God for the people of God. Come now, for all is ready. Please turn to number 250 in the green hymnal as we begin our communion prayer. The Lord be with you and also with you. Lift up your hearts and lift them up to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. Is right. Give our thanks and praise. Holy and right it is in our joyful duty to give thanks to you at all times and in all places, O Lord, our Creator, Almighty and everlasting God. You created heaven with all its hosts and the earth with all its plenty. You have given us life and being and preserve us by our, your providence. But you have shown us the fullness of your love in sending into the world your Son, Jesus Christ, the eternal Word, made flesh for us and for our salvation. We give you thanks for Jesus Christ, our Lord, who was exalted as sovereign of the universe, that at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow. With your whole church on earth and with all the company of heaven, we worship and adore your glorious name. Holy, holy, holy Lord, God of power and might, Full of your glory, Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Hosanna in the highest. Most righteous God, we remember in this supper the perfect sacrifice offered once on the cross by our Lord Jesus Christ for the sin of the whole world. In the joy of his resurrection and in expectation of his coming again, we offer ourselves to you as holy and living sacrifices. Together we proclaim the mystery of the faith. Christ has died, Christ is risen, Christ will come again. Send your Holy Spirit upon us, we pray, that the bread which we break and the cup which we bless may be to us the communion of the body and blood of Christ. And grant that being joined together in him, we may attain to the unity of the faith and grow up in all things into Christ our Lord. And as this grain has been gathered from many fields into one loaf and these grapes from many hills into one cup, grant, O Lord, that your whole church may soon be gathered from the ends of the earth 
into your kingdom. Even so, come, Lord Jesus. The Lord Jesus, the same night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. After the same manner also, he took the cup when they had eaten, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. The bread which we break is the body of Christ and the body, communion of the body of Christ given for us and for our salvation. Take and eat unto the salvation of your soul. The cup of blessing which we bless is the communion of the blood of Christ. Drink it unto the eternal salvation of your soul. Brothers and sisters, since the Lord has now fed us at his table, let us praise God's holy name with heartfelt thanksgiving. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, do not forget all his benefits. Bless the Lord, O my soul, who forgives all your iniquity, who redeems your life from the pit. The Lord is merciful and gracious. He does not deal with us according to our sins. For as, as the heavens are high above the earth, as far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. As a father has compassion for his children, so the Lord has compassion for those who fear him. Who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, and will also give us all things with him. Therefore shall my mouth and heart show forth Praise of the Lord, from this time forth, forevermore. Amen. Let us pray. As you, O Christ, our heavenly high priest, intercede on our behalf before the Godhead, so we come in prayer today to raise our thanks and concerns. We give you thanks for our families and friends, our circles of influence in your world, our church and its mission and place in your kingdom's purposes, our country and the countries of the world to seek the peace and well-being of all peoples, our resources and their beneficial use for the well-being of all, our faith that sustains and impels us into living our, out our lives fruitfully. And we raise our concerns for our families and their physical, socioeconomic, and spiritual needs. Please feel free to mention needs or names out loud. Our church and its leadership and direction into the future, our country, the countries of the world who are at war, that we might find peaceful resolution to conflicts, our environment and its proper and productive use without exhaustive abuse of the natural order, our faithfulness to your call upon our lives to be servants to all for your name's sake, the sick, the grieving, the homeless and displaced, the unemployed, the refugees, the hungry, and the oppressed in our broken world. Our prayer rises to you, O Christ, who taught us to pray boldly, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. 
Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For this is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever.